from Wisconsin Public Radio and PRI, Public Radio International, it's to the best of our knowledge, I'm Jim Fleming. Today, Writers on Writers. Jonathan Lethem on the legendary science fiction writer Philip K. Dick. One of the most extraordinarily weird imaginations ever given to a literary writer. There's really almost no one with as many simply wild ideas and wild images available to them as Dick had. Blake Bailey on Richard Yates. Having said that Yeats is a depressing writer, does that mean you shouldn't read Richard Yates? Absolutely not. You must read Richard Yates. Chris Batchelder on bringing back Upton Sinclair. And so I wanted to bring back questions about the uh, limitations, but also the possibilities of political art in the kind of vein of Upton and other muckrakers. So that's a resurrection of sorts. But first, Joan Wiley Hall. She's a lecturer in the English Department of the University of Mississippi. She's also the author of Shirley Jackson, A Study of the Short Fiction. So, Wiley Hall was excited about the Library of America's recent publication of a book called Shirley Jackson, Novels and Stories, edited by Joyce Carol Oates. But Newsweek critic Malcolm Jones wrote an essay in which he asked whether the Library of America was running out of important writers to publish. Joan Wiley Hall told Steve Paulson what she thinks of Malcolm Jones's comments. I wonder if he actually picked up that Library of America volume and gave it serious reading. I rather like the response in Salon.com by Laura Miller, who responds to his sort of challenge and says, well, maybe she's not what you would call a classic in the vein of Faulkner and Hemingway, Melville. I can't remember exactly which author she named, but she said, if if I were sitting down with an array of volumes by what we might call second or third tier authors, I would certainly pick up Shirley Jackson. Even though Miss Miller had already read her quite a bit, she said she'd a lot rather reread her than read for the first time some of the other people in the Library of America. Let's talk for a moment about Shirley Jackson's most famous story, The Lottery, which was originally published in The New Yorker in 1948. Um, For people who've never read The Lottery, can you give a brief summary of of what happens in the story? I mean, it's not very long. No, it's a very short story, and maybe that's part of its power. Set in late June in a country village in New England, and takes a while even for the reader to place as this set back in earlier times or modern times, and then you see a reference to tractors, and certain certain details make us aware, oh, it seems to be set in the 20th century. The town is gathering for their annual lottery. There's a bit of a concern that all the three 300 people in the village should be gathered together to take part. And then you get a little bit of a sense of threat, and you wonder, what's this uneasy feeling that people have as they're gathering in the town square, and the big black boxes being set up, and the slips of paper, one for each person in the community, are being drawn out? You think to win a lottery should be a good thing. Then it turns out that near the end of the story, a woman named Tessie Hutchinson's slip of paper that she draws has a big black dot. That means she's the winner. And it turns out that these children who've been kind of quietly gathering stones in the background are part of a big mob stoning. The winner of the lottery is stoned. It's, it's a shocking, horrifying ending. Mrs. Dunbar had small stones in both hands. 